Views and opinions expressed by callers, guests, and hosts do not necessarily reflect those of the Black Talk Radio Network and Black Talk Media Project. Black Talk Radio is new black media for the new millennium. Welcome to Black Talk Radio News. My name is Scotty Reed. I'm broadcasting from behind the enemy lines of USA Inc. It is a Monday morning. Hope you all made it through the weekend okay. It is July the 8th, 2019. I saw some terrible story. I'll tell you, man, people have to really be cognizant of their surroundings. Do have a very terrible story concerning the loss of life of a young man. Um, who wasn't aware that somebody was coming up behind him to cut his throat and um, killed him. And I was just really disturbed by that story. Um, We'll get to that story a little later. Um, But welcome to today's broadcast. Again, please continue to support the North Carolina-based nonprofit Black Talk Media Project, which manages blacktalkradionetwork.com as well as btrcommunity.com, a social media platform set up uh, for the listening audience of Black Talk Radio, where you can engage in social media without the data mining, uh, without the intrusive ads, and um, it's just a whole lot safer. You can surf in complete anonymity, make your comments, make your posts, post your videos, uh, again, we, we have to be very cognizant that other people are always watching us, especially if we have a plantation job. So in order to help us raise funds for the nonprofit, uh, so the social media community, you can get a membership for just $24 a year. That's all it breaks down to. Again, no data mining, no selling um, information because we're not collecting any information on you so definitely um, we should be cognizant of how these other platforms do sell our information alright so let me just give you a quick rundown of what's going on uh, in today's news Harris uh, Senator Kamala Harris and I, I just get stuck sometimes I call her Kamala sometimes I call her Kamala um, I'm not really sure what, <laughs> um, but anyway, Senator Kamala Harris and Joe Biden, um, the former vice president, also a former senator. I think he even spent some time in the house. He has a long, long career and that long career is starting to catch up with him. Harris, she doesn't have such a long career in Congress. She, I think, has only, um, this is her first year, I, I, excuse me, not first year, but first term in the U.S. Senate. But she does have a record, and we're going to get into some of that record today uh, of hers and both Biden. Um, but they both been caught in lies. Um, I tell you, man, people act like 
the media don't exist. They act like people are not going to dig into your records to see where you stood on these issues previously. Um, and I just really don't like liars. I, I, I don't. Because a person, if they lie to you about anything, they'll lie to you about everything. You never know who you can trust. You never know what to trust that comes out of their mouth. So um, those two, instead of just saying something, I mean, because people change their minds um, on issues. But instead of saying that, these two are coming out trying to claim like they were progressive before progressive was a thing. And... <laughs> their record shows anything such and they should just tell the truth and say that was my position back then but I have more information now and I've changed my position or something to that effect don't lie and act like that was never your position it's just man it's not a good look but I don't know people some people seem to want to be lied to um, I'm not one of those people if I get something wrong if I don't know what I'm talking about, please call in and tell me. If you have uh, more accurate information, please call in and tell me so I don't continue to uh, disseminate the wrong information to people. And by the way, you can do that by giving us a call at 704-802-5056, 704-802-5056. Hit the star key twice to unmute yourself. If I don't see you on the board, um, just make some noise, say, Hey, Scotty, what's up? And um, I'll come to you if I'm not looking at the board because oftentimes I'm going in between articles and, and getting information. Um, now, also, now this is the, the big news right here. Uh, I, I know there's probably a lot of people trembling and quaking, uh, wondering if Jeffrey Epstein, the uh, billionaire financier, also, they calling him a philanthropist, and I'm sure he donated money to nonprofit organizations so that he can get some tax write-offs. Um, but he also uh, spent a lot of money on political campaigns, and he has a lot of political friends, and perhaps that's why he has been able to escape justice for so long concerning a uh, sex trafficking of minors. Um, yes, Jeffrey Epstein has been arrested. Um, it did come out about the sweetheart deal that he got to only do 13 months and reduce charges. And it wasn't picked up by the federal government. But um, Jeffrey has been arrested. He was arrested in New York City, I believe, on a return flight from somewhere. Um, but he has been arrested on on uh, sexual trafficking charges and conspiracy and conspiracy um, to sex traffic. And he has a lot of rich friends, I mean, excuse me, a lot of well-known friends, as well as wealthy friends, um, Bill Clinton, Donald Trump, uh, Prince Andrew, who is a British royal, all have been placed on the Lolita Express, which is the airplane that he would take um, you know, his associates to Orgy Island on. Um, he had a little island in the U.S. Virgin Islands. Shout out to Spence in the U.S. Virgin Islands. Uh, brother, I hope that y'all are doing all right out there. Um, Spence is a listener of Black Talk Radio Network. Haven't heard from him in a while. He'll give me a, a call on my personal line from time to time to tell me what's going on there. Um, but yeah, he had an island 
out there, a secluded spot out there in the U.S. Virgin Islands where he would um, take these underage girls and orgies would be had. Um, so anyway, we'll get to that. Man said, um, a white man said that rap music made him kill a teenager. And that's what I was talking about earlier about being aware of your surroundings, being, keeping an eye on people as much as possible. Um, don't let nobody sneak up on you and cut your throat like this man who had just got out of prison did to this teen. And it's rather a bizarre excuse for the reason that he states that he killed this man, possibly going for, I mean, killed this young teen, uh, possibly going for insanity defense. It's the only thing that made sense to me uh, in this article. But he said rap music made him kill the teen. Um, we'll get to that. Uh, also, um, let me see what else do we got. Uh, we have um, Iran and international news. And this is important, and I'm going to keep talking about this. Um, in international news, Iran has increased its uranium enrichment levels, as they threatened to do. And it has been confirmed. And so, of course, Trump issued more threats, and he sent an additional thousand uh, U.S. troops, uh, whether they be Marines or Navy or Army. I'm not exactly sure that or, you know, of a combination thereof, but he sent 1,000 more U.S. troops to the region, and sanctions are causing people to die in Iran. So as I have been saying in relation to Iran, a uh, major war could pop off at any moment. It could pop off during this broadcast. Um, it's just uh, really um, gotten that out of hand. And I blame the United States. I blame the Trump administration. First of all, Iran is a sovereign nation that signed the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty. Um, meaning that um, they were going to develop um, nuclear power in their, you know, country and what have you, but they signed a treaty saying they wouldn't share that information or their technology with other countries, you know, like uh, Israel um, did with South Africa, um, as some have stated, and so... You know, um, they didn't have to go into no agreement to only enrich to certain levels and then allow uh, uh, Russia to get anything that they had over the amount they were supposed to have on hand. They were adhering to their agreement. And then Trump comes in, pulls out the agreement that was negotiated um, by the Obama administration, the prior administration, as well as with the Chinese, the Russians, the French, the Germans, and, and I think the British as well. Um, he pulled out of that. He pulled out. He made that decision. And the U.N. had been monitoring the situation um, in terms of, you know, making sure they were adhering to the agreement with their uranium enrichment. And they were. But Trump just pulled out unilaterally. And now, you know, we could be on the precipice of another uh, war in that region. And tens, if not hundreds of thousands, if, if not a million people may die. And let me tell you, they not all going to be, be Iranians. So that's what's up today on BTR News. So glad that you could join me. But before I get into those stories, um, 
two magazines. Um, they also have a presence online. I, I know Ebony does. I'm not sure about Jet. Um, I never looked up Jet.com to see if Jet has a online issue, but I know Ebony.com has has a um, online edition that they put out, a website they maintain. But Ebony and Jet, here's an article that's coming from BlackPressUSA.com, and it should be very troubling to um, black people, especially African Americans here in the United States. But Ebony and Jet, two iconic magazines with a long, long history in the African American uh, community, have fired their remain remaining remaining staff and may close their doors for good. Now, why should that why should that concern us? Well, let me tell you why. Uh, the same reason it should have concerned us that we were losing a lot of black-owned radio stations um, across the nation because of the 1996 Telecommunications Act. Um, that was a deliberate attempt to take away black talk radio from the black community so that we couldn't discuss things, um, so that we couldn't organize um, if you don't know the history of the civil rights movement, then, you know, uh, you may not be aware of the important role that black radio played in, in that struggle. I mean, radio uh, actually is a tool of warfare. Um, yeah, it, it's a tool of warfare. Um, being able to communicate, mass communications uh, allows people to uh, put out propaganda or, or, you know, and there's different types of propaganda. Some's truthful, uh, some is just false. Um, but mass communications is very important to people and we're losing them. Uh, we're losing them. Now, someone did point out to me, though, that Ebony and, again, I, I didn't even know Jet. I don't know if Jet has online uh, edition that they put out. But I do remember as a child, you know, I guess it was it, it, my mom who uh, had a Jet subscription. Um, go to the Black Barbershop. Well, you'll find, uh, you know, copies of Ebony and Jet. Um, but um, it looks like they are dying. Looks like they're going to go out of business. Um, a lot of it has to do with technology. It has to do with the rise of digital media. Um, it's why it's killing print media. But again, if you put out a magazine, well, you can put that out online. Um, so I suspect that it has to do with advertisement. Um, there aren't a whole lot of black businesses um, in this country. They're just not. Um, and then, you know, we have, when we do have small businesses, well, they're not really going to be able to afford to uh, advertise on Ebony or Jet. Um, but I suspect it's, it's advertisement because I have, I have um, you know, a little bit of insight into the advertisement industry considering that um, Back in the 90s, man, back when I first got my first computer in 1999, I belonged to affiliate uh, marketing platforms uh, where if you advertise something, promote something, and somebody makes a purchase through a, a link that is assigned to you, you'll, you'll get a commission off of that. So I belong to like Commission Junction, um, 
I also belong to Amazon, but I will not promote Amazon products um, for a variety of social and political reasons. But I do still have my Amazon publisher's account, um, but I just don't post ads from them. But uh, Commission Junction, uh, Blue Media um, is another one that uh, Black Talk Media Project has an account with. And what you have to do is sign up. You, you'll see these can't different ad campaigns. I mean, it'd be thousands of them um, representing all kind of companies and, and products and services and what have you. And so what you have to do, though, a lot of times is apply um, for those. And then the advertiser, um, actually the one who put the campaign up um, on the platform, they have to approve you. They have to go check out your website or whatever, basically your website, because a lot of these are just web ads. They're not audio ads. Um, but they'll go check out your website and what have you, and then um, they'll make a, a decision on whether or not um, they, want, they want their brand associated with your platform. Well, let me tell you, um, man, probably 90%, 95% of the campaigns I've signed up for over the years do not want to be those brands do not want to be associated with Black Talk Radio Network. And it's not like we up on here uh, being all uncodified and saying, go kill Whitey and and all that type of stuff. No, we, we don't engage in that type of uh, content um, on this network. I've never heard anybody say anything of the sort of the various podcasts and digital radio stations that are managed on, on our network and on our uh, digital radio servers. I don't hear that type of stuff, uh, uh, that kind of uncodified talk. So um, you will find, of course, Black Talk Radio News. You will find the Justice Radio Station. You'll find Time for Awakening Podcast. Uh, you will find the Context of White Supremacy. Um, but I I don't know why these people, um, these companies do not want to do business with us. So anyway, um, I suspect that's also what's happening to Ebony and Jet, a lack of advertisement, a lack of advertisement. Now, I also believe um, it has to do with social media killing a lot of these businesses as well. Uh, again, that goes back to the rise of digital media. And and so therefore, you know, a lot of people, especially like on Facebook, I, I had picked this up a long time ago. I even wrote a, a dumb article. Um, I'll call it a, what do they call that? Not a parody. Um, but, um, you know, it, uh, it it's not real. I, my words escape me right now. Um, but, you know, it's where you parodying uh uh, stuff and it's not really a real article, but it's written like it's a real article, and what have you. You you have these types of sites out there um, that do engage in that. The Onion being the most famous one, um, but uh, you know, so people will post these articles to social media, and social media will grab the headline, and a lot of times people don't even read the article. I'll go, somebody post something and I'll be like, that's crazy. That's a crazy headline. Or the little excerpt that may show up. I don't know. Let me read this article and see what's really good. And then I find out that this is a satire. Satire is the word I was looking for. It's a satire site where they are telling you that this article is not real. This this website is a parody website. It's for entertainment. 
Um, and, and a lot of people, I, I, I know they didn't read the article um, because they would just comment on the headlines. And so that's killing also these platforms as well. Social media, Facebook giants um, are killing uh, uh, these individual platforms because a lot of people won't click through and go to the platforms. And if you don't get the click throughs, you don't have the audience. If you don't have the audience, um, you don't get the advertisers. But in our case, um, but in black media case, I suspect a lot of racism is going on and they just don't want their brands associated. Remember Tommy Hilfiger said he didn't want black folks wearing his clothes and, and things like that. So um, I suspect that's what's going on. So let me read this article from BlackPressUSA.com. Ebony and Jet fire remainder of staff may close its doors for good. Uh, timeless editions of Ebony featured some of the biggest stars in black America, including issues covered by Diana Ross, Sidney Poitier, as well as President First Lady Barack and Michelle Obama. Um, let me see, it's official. Ebony Magazine, along with its sister publications, Jet Magazine, has potentially closed its doors for good. Former employees of the company took to Twitter last week using the hashtag EbonyOs to air out their frustrations with the company as it has fired all of its employees with little to no notice. According to USA Today, members of Ebony's Magazine's digital team say they've been fired and haven't received their final paychecks. In the latest controversy to hit the struggling publication that has chronicled black life in America for decades. Um, I, I mean, I think they might go as far back as the 1960s. Michael Gibson, co-chairman and founder of Austin, Texas-based Clearview Group, which owns Ebony, and this is a black-owned venture capitalist uh, group because um, some people had, had made the assumption that uh, white people owned it, like white people own the root or white corporations own the root. Well, uh, the root is owned by Univision, um, BET owned by Viacom. Um, so a lot of um, media platforms that's targeting black people aren't necessarily um, run by black people, owned by black people, although they will hire black people. Um, but anyway, ownership is where it's at, though. Um, but anyway, Michael Gibson, the co-chairman and founder of Austin, Texas-based Clearview Group, which owns Ebony, declined to comment to USA Today on the digital team's dismissal citing a policy of not commenting on any employment practices or issues. The Chicago Tribune previously reported how Ebony was being pressed by the National Writers Union to pay more than $200,000 it alleged the magazine owed to freelance writers who contributed stories back in 2017. The drama sparked the hashtag EbonyOs on Twitter. According to a report on Ebony.com, the magazine's previous owner, Johnson Publishing Company, filed for bankruptcy liquidation in April, which Ebony said would not affect its operations. Again, it, it, it was then at that point uh, sold by the longtime uh, owner of Johnson Publishing Company. It was sold to this venture capitalist group based out of Austin, Texas, Clearview Group. And it is a, it does describe itself as a black-owned business. Um, so they're selling it off. They're selling it off. 
Um, let me see what else is on here that that well I have linked to all the articles um in BTR community. If you're listening um on blacktalkradionetwork.com, you'll see in the program listing for today, you'll see a link at the bottom that says program notes and that'll take you um to the thread with all the news stories that I'm discussing with you uh on a broadcast. So um yeah we're losing more and more media and again um i didn't even really know why new black newspapers were in trouble but a lot of newspapers are on tr- in trouble because again of the rise of digital media and uh cell phones being uh smartphone cell phones becoming affordable uh, a lot of people have them and they will use those to access the internet to get their news. Um, and again, a lot of them just go to social media. They don't go to these, straight to these platforms. Not everybody, but you know, I, I suspect a significant portion uh, of people. So I've been knew that newspapers were going out a business out of style because of the internet. Um, I'm surprised it didn't happen a lot sooner. Um, but you know, I was really focused on terrestrial radio. Um, and that's why the Black Talk Media Project exists as a nonprofit, um, to try to help people learn the new media technology and, and creating digital radio stations, creating digital platforms, news platforms, and what have you. Um, you know, we've had a vision of expanding those to cover localized community, but we just haven't had the funding. Um, because we don't have the donations, um, coming in, you know, but again, we've been around going on 12 years in, in November and that's only because of, um, some, a few donors. Uh, and when I say a few, I mean, you know, in the hundreds, um, some of them regularly give and that's how we've been able to stay online. We don't make a lot of money uh, or bring in revenue. We're not looking to make money because we're not a for-profit business. But um, we don't bring in a lot of revenue via any ads you've seen on the site. Um, again, it's not a lot of businesses um, that also uh, have the funds to uh, you know, engage in, in campaigning online. A lot of small businesses don't. Um, but anyway... This should be concerning. Um, now, I have heard from some other people that said Ebony and Jet was uh, writing garbage. And, you know, I don't know because I wasn't reading them on a day- daily basis. I don't really read a lot of entertainment, but they will have more than just entertainment. They would also tackle uh, social issues, political issues. They would talk about racism. And um, but, you know, hey. If you can't continue because of the lack of revenue, then you can't continue. So that's why, again, I implore people, hey, if you if you don't have a lot of money, I understand. Um, you don't have a lot of resources. Um, but look, $24 a year, that's 50 cents a week. That's uh, $2 a month. And you get access to a social media platform, $24 a year. Um, we'll always keep the platform Black Talk Radio Network free and open to the public. We will not put it behind a paywall to force people 
Um, and, and we have anywhere from 30,000 to 50,000 monthly visitors, uh, individual visitors or IP addresses. And then that's not even um, to estimate how many in the household at that same IP may be coming to, to the network. So, um, you know, I, I just don't think it'll be right for us to, because I'm not going to pay New York Times. I'm not going to pay Charlotte Observer. I'm not going to pay the Gaston Gazette. Those are local papers here. Um, to access their online con- content. I think the news should be free, uh, okay? Because um, I wasn't charged to find this information out that I'm relaying to you, so why should I charge you to relay the information that I'm relaying? You, you see, how that, see how that works? And, you know, just our community is fed a whole lot of disinformation, and so therefore... Um, I want everybody to be able to access what's on our on our platform. I, I don't want it to be just for those that can pay. Um, but, you know, people got to pull their weight, though. Um, if they use it, uh, like Dave has always said, if you're going to eat the fruit, you got to feed the roots. So um, we hope that you are able to become a supporter because we do not want to go the way of Ebony and Jeff. So. Let me move on. Uh, let me see what time is it. Okay, it's about 30 minutes after the hour. All right, so let's jump to Kamala Harris, which I just put a video out on her uh, early, early, early this morning. I had a little trouble sleeping last night, so I made a video about Kamala Harris. I am starting to publish uh, videos again, um, just getting back in the hang of it. Um, making little short, you know, video content or video commentaries on whatever issue uh, catches my eye. I made one about Kamala Harris trying to rebrand herself uh, last night using the Central Park Five. Not last night, but the article came out yesterday. But using the Central Park Five to bash Donald Trump and to say the Americans need to watch uh, when they see us. Um, which is about the Central Park Five. It's a Netflix documentary by Ava DuVernay, and 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 uh, so she trying to have people thinking, oh, she always been, uh, uh, you know, working to keep innocent people out of jail. When she actually fought to keep a man she knew was innocent in jail over a concealed knife that this dude had that the police claimed that he threw under a car, and. Other witnesses said that it was a different man who threw this knife under a car. This brings in the three strikes, three strikes in you in prison for life, you know. Um, and and so she tried, she tried to keep that man in jail um, even after several judges ruled him uh, to be uh, released or to be innocent or his constitutional rights were violated. She fought to keep that man in prison, saying on a technicality, saying, oh, they waited too late to file the paperwork to get out of prison. So please don't believe the hype when you see Kamala Harris on uh, writing articles for the mainstream media talking about Americans all should go see when they see us, all right? What you should go see is her record, okay? You need to go check out the outlets that are publishing accounts of her record and she's been on my radar for a number of years through my reporting on new abolitionist radio all right so um that is on our youtube channel 
um, Black Talk Radio, um, but also I published them to blacktalkradionetwork.com. All right, so now, like I was saying, Kamala Harris and Joe Biden both got caught recently in lies. Uh, I don't know why people be lying like they be lying. Um, again, maybe because they're liars, <laughs> you know? Um, that's that's kind of simple, right? That's kind of easy to understand. Liars lie. That's what they do. Um, but again, man, I mean, if you're going to lie about something that you know is documented, that tells me you'll lie to me about anything. And you're also relying on me to be an uninformed, ignorant voter who don't do their research. And we're just moved by the optics of it all or or the uh, platitudes and what have you. So anyway, Kamala Harris, uh, um, this article from PolitiFact.com is saying that Kamala Harris tried to rewrite history with the false claim on a San Francisco ICE policy. So y'all know in the news, they're also dominating the news headlines that um, are this, it's the situation, again, uh, created by Trump, exacerbated by Trump. I'm not going to act like they wasn't locking up these people um, before Trump or bombing their home countries or enforcing of forcing their governments to enact policies like the drug war that created a lot of uh, violence in their streets and they're fleeing that violence. Again, various reasons why people flee these areas. Um, but um, Trump made it worse by restricting access to the proper channels for a person to file for a political asylum. He made it worse by separating even more children uh, from their parents. They can't even find thousands of children. How's that uh, How's that acceptable? So you know that's been in the news a lot lately. So Kamala Harris, sensing this, is now like, oh, I'm all for the children. I'm all for the refugees and, and Donald Trump this and Donald Trump that. So let me just go into this article. Presidential candidate and U.S. Senator Kamala Harris has made protecting undocumented youth a top priority during her time in the Senate. She's been a vocal supporter, for example, of the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, the DACA program. That's when um, children were brought here, like you see those children in them concentration camp cages. They were brought here as children, been here all their life, all their life, don't even know Spanish in a lot of cases. Um, may not have no ties back home because they were fleeing from, let's say, domestic violence or, or gang violence or something like that. And so all they know is the USA. And so they have been in the past given a special class. So that's what the DACA program was, which gives temporary protections to more than 700,000 young undocumented immigrants or so-called dreamers brought to the country as children. But on the campaign trail, it said uh, in Iowa that she made some questionable statements about a 2008 policy in San Francisco um, that reported undocumented youth to federal immigration officials upon their arrest by local police. Harris, who was San Francisco's district attorney at the time, supported the policy, which didn't take into account whether the youth were actually found guilty of a crime. Um I'm not going to read on. Okay, this is what they said. Um, this was the question that was put to her on the podcast. 
Could you give us some insight on how from that time when for whatever reason you were supporting this policy that was essentially handing over undocumented people to ICE before they had been convicted to now kind of what's changed on that and how you come came to those changes again? That's what I was saying earlier. Now, this this person who's asking this question is setting it up in such a way for her to give the correct answer. You, we know that you had this certain uh, uh, position back in 2008. Can you tell us what has changed since then? But did she say, well, I got more information since 2008. And now, you know, I, I don't think it's right to send these children to places that they don't remember. They were children. They might have been toddlers when they were brought here. So I think that would be cruel. I think they deserve a special exemption. And so, you know, here we are today. And that's why I'm fighting so strong for the DACA children. Um, no, that's not what she said. Her response was, that ended up being an unintended consequence of the policy, and I did not support that consequence of that policy. And that policy, I believe, has since changed because it was not the intended purpose of that policy. PolitiFact said they decided to fact-check her claim that turning over undocumented youth to ICE was an unintended consequence. Now, here's some background. Then Mayor and current California Governor Gavin Newsom changed the approach in 2008 after a 21-year-old undocumented man was arrested for killing three people in San Francisco. The man had been arrested before at the age of 17 and convicted of attempted robbery and assault but was not reported to federal immigration authorities. Former San Francisco County Supervisor David Campo strongly opposed the policy change. Asked about Harris's statement, he said, it just doesn't fly. With all due respect to Senator Harris, who has been a friend, I don't understand how she can say that, said Campos, who led the board's effort to reverse the policy and is now chairperson of the San Francisco Democratic Party. Turning over young people and children who were accused of a crime that later turned out they did not commit was not an unintended consequence of what was going on. It was precisely what was going on and what they were trying to to avoid. Campo said, you can't rewrite history. Um, the Board of Supervisors voted to overturn Newsom's policy in October of 2009 and overrode his veto the next month, according to a Mercury News article. But that wasn't the end of the controversy. Newsom refused to enforce the reversal. Uh, let me go on. Um, Angela Chan, who I've interviewed before, she is a immigration attorney in San Francisco. I interviewed her about an article she wrote about the 13th Amendment, acknowledging that it never abolished slavery. And so she is an abolitionist, declared so right here on the Blade Talk Radio Network. But Angela Chan is a San Francisco um, immigration attorney who opposed the policy and she told PolitiFact California this week in an email that referring youth to ICE wasn't an unintended consequence. It was the purpose of the troubling policy. 
Chan is Policy Director at Advancing Justice Asian Law Caucus. She represented a family whose 13-year-old son was referred to ICE under Newsom's policy. The mayor's approach was pretty drastic change, she told us last year when we reported on the policy during the gubernatorial campaign. Prior to that point, the focus was on rehabilitation and on the appropriate placement of the child and also on reunification with the family. Last summer, then Republican gubernatorial candidate John Cox claimed Newsom separated families and deported children before he was against it, uh, comparing what Newsom did to the Trump administration's separation of migrant children from their families at the U.S.-Mexico border. We found Cox was partially correct, but that his statement also um, unfairly conflated Newsom poli- Newsom's policy with Trump's despite some stark differences in detail and circumstances. Even so, some undocumented youth were deported due to this policy. Chan said dozens of juveniles between the ages of 12 and 18 were reported to ICE each month, both on felony and misdemeanor charges, and some kids were deported as a result of that policy. She said her legal efforts blocked the deportation of a 13-year-old she represented who was nearly deported for punching a classmate and stealing 46 cents. Harris didn't lead the charge on the new strategy, Chan added, but was a supporter. Harris has sub- subsequently said the policy could have been applied more fairly. Asked about the senator's claim on the podcast, her campaign spokesman issued a written statement. Um, I'm I'm not even going to read this uh, spin doctor uh, working for a campaign, but look, she got the lowest rating for truthfulness on this issue. Um, it was rated as false. She she was lying. This was the policy was to report these youth to ICE and have them deported. Okay, it wasn't an unintended consequence. So why lie about that? Why not just say, well, you know, um, that was a long time ago. That was you know not ancient history, but it was um, you know, over a decade ago and. Since then, I've become more informed. I talked to some people, and they changed my mind on the issue. And I'm not proud proud of that, but yes, I did that. But I'm I'm not for that type of stuff today. You know, I support you. Why can't people just tell the truth, man? Just tell the truth, even if the truth is a lie. And what I mean by that, even if you really didn't change your mind. Uh, because you got more information or because uh, uh, you all of a sudden uh, started feeling compassion um, because you see how Trump is doing them. And, and, you know, even if you didn't, you could say that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And we'll know that you could be doing it um, for political expedience because that's where the political wins are right there. And that's deemed a popular response. But... Man, if you can't even uh, uh, spin the truth, then I, I just don't. I'm very concerned about this woman. This woman is a liar. Um, she wants you to remain ignorant about her policy, uh, past policy positions, which she very, very strongly advocated for. There's video of her out there. And so I, I say that to say, how can you trust her on anything? How, how can you trust her? She's a liar, man. You can't trust liars. Tell you one thing and then do another. 
Now let's let's get Joe Biden before we hit the top of the hour. Um, Joe Biden caught in some more lies, um, and I I said more lies because uh, he has uh, told a number of lies out there on the campaign trail. So. You know, recently he's been taking hits because he was the one of the uh, authors of these uh, federal legislation that caused mass incarceration. Um, I call it continuation of slavery. Um, but passed it, but passed laws it, through Congress, wrote laws, wrote legislation, then worked to get that legislation passed through Congress to become U.S. law to enforce the Thirteenth Amendment. And what is the 13th Amendment? Slavery by another name is what it is. Um, well, actually, it's not slavery by another name. It's slavery. It says slavery and involuntary servitude shall be abolished except if one has been convicted of a crime, then it's perfectly legal in the United States to uh, subject you to those uh, barbarous uh, practices. So now he's lying about not wanting more money for prisons now it is true that the federal government has the smallest slice of the incarcerated in this nation it has the smallest slice and most of the people who are locked up in the land with the most people locked up are in the state prisons and what have you but that's not at like it has not been a collaboration between the federal government, meaning the Congress and as well as the executive branch, um, in putting a whole bunch of people in cages. So now he's saying he lied about not wanting more money for prisons, for state prisons. And I couldn't find a video, but I had saw a video about two days ago where he was arguing for money for, for the states in trying to get his bill passed. So let me just share some of this with you from the NOQ report. And this is a conservative website. This is a conservative platform. It's not mainstream media, but it's still conservative. And there's a lot of uh, people, um, a lot of websites, I should say, that's pointing this out. I think I heard somebody, um, okay, yeah, all right, it automatically muted them. Um, let me see, uh, former vice president. And current Democratic nomination frontrunner Joe Biden is taking flack from all angles, including some that have supported his efforts in the recent past. They're scrutinizing every word he says publicly and calling him out for his inconsistencies. And after a very long career in politics that he's trying to culminate by appealing to progressives, there are plenty of inconsistencies to highlight. The latest is his claim that he is being improperly mis uh, characterized for his role in passing the Violent Crime Control and Law Enforcement Act, still the largest crime bill in American history. I didn't, they're quoting uh, what he said Saturday in South Carolina, lying to those black people. I didn't support more money to build state prisons. I was against it. We should be building rehab centers and not prisons, he said Saturday at a rally in South Carolina. Now, that is a bald-faced lie right there. You can pull up his speech on Congress on trying to pass the crime bill and the language he was using, um, the dehumanization he was using. Um, just lock them up and throw away the key language he was using and then contrast that with Bernie Sanders who was saying, Look, 
we got crime in this country. It needs to be uh, addressed, but let's look at the root causes of this crime, which is poverty and and other systemic uh, issues that's going on uh, in in the United States. If you want to get tough on crime, let's get tough on the causes of why people commit crime, like poverty. Let's get tough on poverty. Let's get tough on homelessness. Man, I mean that 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 um that speech right there from nineteen or that video clip because nobody really knew who, who Bernie Sanders was until he ran against Hillary Clinton in twenty sixteen. But that really put him on the map. Uh, him way back then arguing arguing on the floor passionately um, against provisions of that bill of locking people up and throwing away the key. And Joe Biden, you'll find video of him uh, stating the exact opposite. I don't care about what these people went through. I don't care about their back. Just lock them up. And then now, so he's saying that he didn't support money to build state prisons. I was against it. No, you wasn't, Joe. And people can pull up your record. I mean, you, it takes a special kind of liar to lie about stuff that they should know is public record. Maybe Joe's senile. Maybe he has early onset Alzheimer's and he don't remember he did these things. But I think it's more likely about him. He's a liar. Now, it goes on to say, except he did support more money to build state prisons. The bill which he helped write authorized $9.7 billion in new funding for prisons. CNN called him out on it. Biden expressed unequivocal support in both 1994 and in the years following for the law's billions in funding to build state prisons, including in his home state of Delaware. He argued in 1994 that the law should include less money for prison construction than Republicans wanted to spend, but he emphasized that he too wanted to spend billions. Again, he's on record of saying, you know, the Republicans been running on tough on crime, but but we're going to be tougher on crime than they are. Only in this instance, he just didn't want as, as many uh, uh, billions to build state prisons to lock them up and throw away the key. Um, anyway, his campaign, oh man, I just thought about Simone Sanders. Woman, you are just destroying your future career. Um, nobody's going to trust you. Um, and you are not showing black self-respect. None of the people on his campaign are showing black um, black people on his campaign are showing black self-respect when they try to spin what this what this suspected racist has said and done. So this is how his campaign is trying to spin it. They're saying that he wanted less money in the bill for prisons than Republicans were requesting. Wow. That, I mean, this is almost certainly true, but the spirit of his statements regarding the bill do not match with the facts. So he's saying he didn't. He did not support this. He did not call for money. And that's a lie. Again, I ask you, do you trust liars? Do y'all know people in your... I don't know. I ain't going to say every family got them. Some people, some families got more than one. Um, but have you ever known people who just lie for no reason? They lie for no reason. They just... Everything is a lie. It's the exact opposite of what really happened. Um, 
you know, I think they are called pathological liars. Now, I'm not going to say Joe Biden's a pathological liar and his motivation to lie is political. Um, but, you know, man, they act like that all of these reporters, all of these journalists, not even just the ones working for MSM, uh, but also independent citizen journalists, journalists like myself, um, are not going to dig up this information and find the receipts on you. So again, can you trust? Why? Why is anybody trusting this this person? Why is anybody trusting um, Harris? They've been caught in lies, trying to brand themselves as progressives when they were in. Their record shows that they most certainly was not. So um, you know, if um, Joe Biden was made of wood. His nose would be growing uh, exponentially every time he opens up his mouth these days. He just lies, lies, lies. All he does is lie. And these are the people that you think, I mean, it, it's so ironic because Joe, Joe Biden came out the gate talking about truth versus lies. And here he is caught in lie after lie after lie. It's like the Democrats of the establishment is trying it's trying to put up the worst candidates possible that would give Donald Trump the greatest chance of winning re-election cause they, he certainly they, what can they say to him on a lot of these issues when um, if he does his homework or had the people around him do the homework the oppositional research man he, he got so many comebacks on them that he could say oh you want to talk about Central Park 5 I got your Central Park 5 I'll, I'll raise you uh, Kamala Harris trying to keep that dude in prison when you knew he was innocent and and then try to keep him in there talking about oh uh, he didn't file his paperwork in time alright and then Joe Biden, oh, Joe, you want to attack me on some old oh, Sleepy Joe. Sleepy Joe want to attack me on the border when, hey, there's Sleepy Joe on on video talking about I want all this money to uh, uh, build fencing and secure the border and, and sound just like Donald Trump. Or here's Joe Biden talking about lock up these criminals and, and what have you and pushing for all this money or mass incarceration. But, hey, I just gave you the first step act. These people are not the best candidates to put in against Donald Trump, especially um, um, Joe Biden. Because Joe Biden is not fast on his feet anymore. Um and Donald Trump will tear that man a new one. I, I'm just telling you. And I do not want to see another four years of Donald Trump. Um, but I will not vote for Joe Biden or Kamala Harris because I have principles. On principle, I will vote for. I'll check out the Green Party. I'll check out the Libertarian Party. I'll check out. Hell, I might write my own name in. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, uh, just not. Just not. Um, uh I just don't believe that these people, the establishment, is all about trying to beat Trump. No, they're about protecting the status quo, um, just like Trump. Protecting the wealth of the wealthy and why the poor get poor. All right, so anyway, I'm going to leave it there. Again, all these articles are linked up for you um, in my program description, description um, for BTR Community 
www.thepeopleshow.com if you want to access the articles and share them. Now, I am going to take a station identification break, uh, play some short mu- uh, uh, short music clip while I grab some coffee. Uh, again, I, I was up like till, oh man, I think I did not go to sleep. I know it was daylight when I looked outside. So I haven't had much sleep, just a couple of hours, and I need to uh, reinvigorate myself um, so that I can get to these stories. But this this next story, when I come back on the other side, with this Jeffrey Epstein, this is a big deal. Now, y'all remember Pizzagate, right, where you had people like uh, Alex Jones spreading fake news, um and said that Democrats was running a child sex ring in the basement of a pizzeria. I think that pizzeria was in Washington, D.C., which caused a man from North Carolina, this white guy from North Carolina, if I remember correctly, to travel to Washington, D.C., go up in that pizza place, and with armed with a gun, I think he had a rifle, um, he might have had a handgun as well. Went up in there demanding to know where the children were so he can free the children. So his motive was 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 sincere. He just fell for some fake news on the internet. Internet's both a blessing and a curse. You can find truth on the internet, but you can also find a lot of fake news on the inter- internet. And, and that's why, you know, you just can't believe everything people tell you on the Internet. It's a lot of scam artists on the Internet. But that was a big deal, right? That, that made the headlines. But guess what? This is even a bigger deal because it's not fake news. It's real news. And some people may try to look at this part in, in a partisan way, which would be incorrect. Um. And they're saying, well, Bill Clinton was on the uh, uh, Lolita Express. That was the name of his private plane uh, where he would fly these underage minor uh, uh, teenagers to his island. They say some children as young as 12 uh, to this island called Orgy Island out there in, in U.S. Um, Virgin Islands and have sex with them. And they said Bill Clinton was a log show. Bill Clinton was on that Lolita jet. 26 times, 26 times, along with um, and, uh, Prince Andrews, a British royal, um, and Donald Trump. Donald Trump, they've only so far been able to document one time that he's been on there, but I think I saw an article, don't quote me on this, because it's still early reporting, but they're saying that Trump was on there more than once. Um, there was a lawsuit at the beginning of Trump's campaign by this young lady who said that Trump raped her. She was working for Epstein. She was caught up in this sex trafficking. She was working for Epstein. She was at a Manhattan party at his man at, at his uh, one of his uh, I guess apartments or whatever. And she said that she even sued Donald Trump. Said that Trump raped her raped her in Epstein's apartment. So this is a big deal. Bill Clinton, Donald Trump, Jeffrey Epstein, and a whole bunch of other people uh, who are high profile. Alan Dershowitz, who's a Harvard attorney, 
a law professor uh, uh, where a young lady said that uh, uh, he did he had sex with her. And so this has the potential, if there isn't a cover-up, um, this has the potential, and if they don't suicide Jeffrey Epstein, but this has the potential to be the ma- a, a major, major scandal that could take down a whole lot of wealthy, influential people. If this guy starts singing, if this guy starts uh, uh, trying to get a lesser sentence because he's looking at federal charges now, uh, if he tries to get a lesser sentence by testifying and giving up some other people, who knows? He probably got tapes on them, man. He probably do. That's how they do, man. They they probably got tapes. There there may be a PP tape of Donald Trump, but it wasn't made in Russia. It was made on Jeffrey Epstein's uh, private jet, or if he went to Orgy Island there. But I'm sure, or in Jeffrey Jeffrey might have some tape of Donald Trump raping that girl who alleged that Donald Trump raped her in his apartment. It makes sense that a person engaged in that type of activity would try to get the goods on powerful people, corrupt them, um, not to say they weren't corrupted before or had had these um, depraved tastes and desires before meeting him, but it makes sense that they would, that he would try to record them so that he can get the sweetheart deal like he got in uh, Florida where uh, he didn't face federal charges and they just tried to cover it up, keep it out the public. Even the victims didn't even know and they were supposed to know um, about his sentencing so they can come and give a victim's impact statement Statement at his sentence. It was all set up for him to uh, uh, um, you know, just do as little time as possible. I think he did 13 months in a jail and was under house arrest. And and so he should be, I, I would think, he must not have been on probation because I would think being arrested on these new charges would violate um, that probation. But again, that's just in the state of Florida, state laws. Um, you know, they worked overtime to keep it out the federal court. So this is uh, has the potential to be the story of the year. And I have a couple of videos that I want you to listen to, the audio, obviously, um, so that you can get some background um, on on this. This is a very, very, very uh, sad story, um, but it is not a surprising story. And we'll play that on the other side. You're listening to Black Talk Radio News. My name is Scotty Reed. I broadcast this bro- program Monday through Fridays, God willing, um, starting at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. I usually go up to 2 o'clock. Um, no, excuse me, 1 o'clock. I broadcast usually for two hours, but sometimes I have stuff to do, and I may only get an hour in. Um, but I don't have any time constraints today. I still got stuff to do, but um, we'll go as long as needed. If you have a question or a comment, even if it's to correct me on some information, because only the foolish hate correction, um, don't let me be out here putting wrong information and you have more accurate information. Um, it's not because I don't want to purposely, I don't want to be relaying wrong information. So you can give us a call at 704-802-5056, 704-802-5056, and we'll be back on the other side. 
them know they missing out. Mama Africa has Them know they missing now. Sing again. Hey. This for all the love and the life took away. Hey. Don't forget we were bought and trade. Ripped from the land and shipped away. Hey. I is the inspiration we used to survive. See. You have to see it with your own cry. Hey. Don't play, add it up and all right. Hi, 
The Black Talk Media Project would like to invite you to become a member of the BTR Community subscription-based social media platform. BTR Community is a platform that was set up for the listening audience of Black Talk Radio Network, the number one independent black radio network online. For just $24 per year, your subscription gives you access to an interactive space to share information with like-minded people with your privacy guaranteed. Your subscription will go a long way to help us maintain and improve our current media platforms. It will also help provide a budget so that we can begin the task of establishing localized media centers and radio stations across the United States. The best way to show your support and appreciation for what we do here at Black Talk Radio is to subscribe. Help us to help you be informed. Join btrcommunity.com today. Make Black Talk Radio your choice for digital black radio. New black media for the new millennium. And welcome back to BTR News. My name is Scotty Reed. Uh, broadcasting on this Monday, it is July the 8th. Um, we're into the second half of 2019. We are coming up on the 12th anniversary of the Black Talk Media Project and the Black Talk Radio Network. Uh, do want to give a shout out. Uh, I don't give the names of donors, uh, you know, because that's private information. Um, they may not want people to know. Uh, I don't even give their first names. I was going to do that at one time, um, but I'm not. But we did get a new um, donor who is donating $5 a month. Just want to give you an acknowledgement and a shout out. And to our other regular uh, donors, we would not exist. We would not be online if not for you because the corporate media does not want to support um, the type, or I should say corporate advertisers don't want to support the type of media um, that we're putting out. And plus, a lot of corporations, we wouldn't accept any kind of promotions from them because, hey, they're engaged in unethical practices or promoting harmful uh, products. Anyway, here's a clip from CBS News. Um, if you haven't heard the news, uh, it just happened. I think he was arrested Friday. might have been Saturday. Um, my memory isn't the best right now. Um, so I'm going to run this clip of CBS News to give you some background. Uh, let me go ahead and cue that up for you. Billionaire businessman Jeffrey Epstein was arrested in New York Saturday on federal charges related to sex trafficking. The 66-year-old hedge fund manager has long been accused of sexually abusing underage girls. In 2007, he pleaded guilty to two prostitution counts in Florida as part of a controversial deal to avoid federal charges. He was sentenced to 13 months in jail. Former Miami U.S. Attorney Alexander Acosta handled that deal. Acosta is now Secretary of the U.S. Labor Department. In February, the White House said it was looking into the handling of that case, and a federal judge is weighing whether to invalidate the agreement. Epstein once counted President Trump and former President Clinton among his friends. He has a bond hearing scheduled for Monday in New York. For more on this, Jim DeFeedy with our CBS News Miami station, WFOR, joins me now on the phone. Jim, what more do we know about these new charges? Well, what we basically know is that it's a two-count sealed indictment 
One count is uh, for sex trafficking. The second count is for conspiracy to commit sex trafficking. As I said, it's under seal. We're, we're expected to learn a lot more come Monday when the indictment is unsealed. And can you explain a little bit more about the controversy that surrounded his 2008 conviction and why that's now under review again? Sure. So in uh, back in the early 2000s, Epstein was under investigation for sex trafficking. There was a major investigation being done by both state and federal authorities into him. It culminated in, in, a, in a plea agreement with the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Southern District of Florida in which uh, they agreed not to pursue the case any further if in turn he pled guilty to a prostitution-related charge in, in state court in Palm Beach County knowing that he was also going to receive a very light sentence. He ended up only receiving about a 13-month um, sentence for the prostitution-related case, even though when taken in totality, all the sex trafficking allegations that were being made against him could have put him away for 40 years or more. What made that particularly uh, egregious at the time was, was that when the time that the U.S. Attorney's Office made this deal with Epstein, uh, they never notified any of the victims. So none of his victims who had been cooperating with federal authorities knew that the federal uh, agents had agreed not to pursue any more charges against Epstein. And they were under the assumption that at some point the U.S. Justice Department would charge him, and they kept waiting and waiting for nothing to happen. Now, when Epstein went into the Palm Beach County jail system for serving that 13-month sentence, even that was unusual and highly, highly irregular. He was basically treated as a celebrity. He was allowed to come and go six days a week from the jail as he wanted. Every morning, a chauffeur would come, pick him up, and drive him to his office, where he would spend the day doing whatever he wanted to do and then check back in at night. So the entire circumstance was really bizarre. Yeah, and you mentioned Monday, so let's spin things forward here. His first court date is set for Monday. What's going to happen there? So on Monday, what we're going to know is we're going to get we're going to see the, what the actual charges are. Okay. Uh, it's expected that these could be placeholder charges and that additional charges could potentially be filed. But we're going to know for sure what the charges are and what's important. What I'm going to be looking for is when the incidents took place. Do these incidents that they're charging him now in New York stem back to those early 2002-2005 period that the federal government initially was investigating but had put their case aside? Or is it newer witnesses, newer victims who have come forward because of all the publicity this case has seen? The second thing we're going to learn on Monday is what kind of a bail or bond he's going to receive. There is a great deal of concern given his wealth uh, he is a very, very wealthy man. I don't right. think he's actually a billionaire, to be honest with you, but he's up there. Uh, that if he is permitted to leave um, court, he would disappear and not show up for trial. So those are two of the concerns that uh, that will be playing on. And you, I think you can expect prosecutors to ask for either a very, very high bond or no bond at all. All right. Jim DeFeedy, thank you for providing some insight for us. And no so, problem. So that Monday that they're talking about is today so um i haven't seen any news yet about the indictment being unsealed and and made public and you know i i still don't expect justice to come out of this case and why why is that now i know it's a different prosecutor this time and you a different u.s attorney is involved um but given his wealth given his political connections if he keep his mouth shut um he probably won't get the maximum sentence but um, 
you know, he may also get suicided in jail. We'll wake up and read the paper and Jeffrey Epstein was found hanging in a jail cell or something like that. Uh, and then this just goes away. Um, speaking of victims, um, there is a victim, or I should say alleged victim, um, even though he's been convicted, I don't think that he was convicted of, um, in, in terms of the charges that she brought forth or, um, the allegations she brought forth, but a teen runaway by the name of Virginia Roberts was one of Jeffrey Epstein's victims. And the Miami Herald gets a lot of, of credit. Uh, for breaking this story wide open and probably forcing his prosecution by interviewing uh, all of his or as many victims as they could find about him. Now, I don't think I'm going to play this entire um, video um, so you can hear the audio, but here is Virginia Roberts in her own words. Uh, Virginia Roberts um, actually is married now, lives in Australia, I believe. Um, but the Miami Herald caught up with her um, a couple of years ago, and this is what she told him. I was young. I was scared. I knew these people were powerful. I didn't know what would happen if I said no. I didn't know what would happen if they reported, if I reported them. That 16-year-old girl just let it happen. And that was how I got into the abuse with Jeffrey and Gillette. Virginia Roberts was working in the spa at Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago Club in Palm Beach when British socialite Ghislaine Maxwell introduced her to multimillionaire Jeffrey Epstein. The training started immediately. I mean, it was everything down to how to give a blowjob, how to be quiet, be subservient, give Jeffrey what he wants. A lot of this training came from Ghislaine herself. And being a woman, it kind of surprises you that a woman could actually let stuff like that happen, but not only let it happen, but to groom you into doing it. And then there's Jeffrey who's telling you, I want it this way, no, go slower and don't do that and do this. You're just thrown into a world that you don't understand and you don't know how to, you're screaming on the inside and you don't know how to let it come out. And you just become this numb figure who refuses to feel and refuses to speak and refuses, all you do is obey. That's it. And eventually it led to, well, now we're going to experiment and we're going to try you with another guy and see how you go. So they sent me to an island with a professor and, and I basically had to do what I did for Jeffrey for him. So it's very private. It's the perfect world for a billionaire getting away with what he was doing. He could hold big parties there and, and have huge orgies there and nobody would have any idea what was going on because it was so quiet and so protected. And it started with one and then it trickled into two and then so on and so forth. And you know, before you know it, I'm being lent out to politicians and to academics and to people that you, royalty. Roberts claimed in an affidavit the two of the men that Epstein lent her out to were attorney Alan Dershowitz and Prince Andrew, the Duke of York. Dershowitz and Prince Andrew have both denied any involvement with Roberts. A judge later struck Roberts' affidavit from the court record, but the ruling did not address the veracity of her allegations. Dershowitz said he was nonetheless vindicated. 
Logs from Epstein's private jet, nicknamed the Lolita Express, show a host of high-powered politicians, academics, and celebrities. It's called Lolita Express for a reason. That was a vessel for him to be able to abuse girls and get away with it without anybody being alarmed or any alarm bells going off. It was all the same no matter where you went. All Jeffrey cared about was go find me more girls. To me, still to this day, it is my biggest shame that I carry around that I will never get rid of. And I'm really, really sad that I brought other girls my age and even younger into a world that they should have never been introduced to. At age 19, Robert said that she was sent to Thailand to take a massage course and to pick up a girl for Epstein. Instead, she fell in love and moved to Australia, where she and her husband lived with their three children. I escaped. I called Jeffrey to let him know that I was not coming back and I was not bringing the little Thai girl back. And he said, you know what? Have a nice life and hung up the phone. And that was it. And I thought, I'm off the hook. I'm off the chain. I can go. I can live free. 2007, I was pregnant with my middle son. And I get a phone call from Gilan one day in Australia. I'm in Australia. I was like, how the hell did she just find me? Like, I've been out of their life for so long. What's going on? She's like, have you talked to anybody? Have you told anybody what's happened? Like, you know, have you reported us or anything? And I said, no. I haven't spoken to anybody. Okay, good. You stay like that. You stay quiet. The next day, Jeffrey calls me with his lawyer on the phone. And they asked me the same questions. Um, have you talked to anybody? Are you going to report me? Are you going to talk to anybody? And I'm like, where is this all coming from? Like, what is going on? The next day, I get another phone call. And this time, it's from an FBI agent. Like, hi, I'm blah, blah, blah from the FBI. Have you given Jeffrey Epstein a blowjob? Uh, did you have a shower with Jeffrey Epstein? Did you ever bring any girls over for Jeffrey Epstein? I'm like, I don't even know who you are. I mean, unless you can come over here and show me some official documentation that says that you're with the FBI, I am not saying a word to you. And about six months later, I get a knock at the door, and it's the Australian Federal Police. It was like a 12-page document about uh, Jeffrey Epstein and um, what he had done and how, you know, I was a victim, and they've identified me as one. It takes a long time to start the healing process. I mean, I will never heal. There are pieces for me that can never be put back together. It takes so long to get to a point where you're able just to speak about it. I mean, it took me having a daughter and looking at this beautiful, young, innocent baby to say, I want to speak out about it now. You know, if we can make that point across, that doesn't matter how rich you are, it doesn't matter how powerful you are, there are girls out there that will speak up. And I don't care if it's 10 years later or 15 years later, whenever you're ready to do it, you do it. You know, and you protect the ones that are younger than us. You protect the ones that we didn't protect before. These guys will get it in the end because us girls are not going to sit here and just let this keep happening. Um, and it goes on to say that Roberts, uh, uh, Virginia Roberts, who you just heard speaking, and about two dozen other girls sue Epstein for damages. The cases were all settled out of court, and the amounts were kept confidential. Um, so we're talking about international uh, sex trafficking. Um, we're talking about interstate sex trafficking. And I'm not so sure that all of these powerful people um, that he passed her around and probably other girls around to are going to be implicated in this. 
um, they're powerful, they're rich. And so, you know, the system of justice um, usually works in their favor to minimize any kind of punishment um, they may receive. Now, you got Christine Pelosi, who is the daughter of Nancy Pelosi. Um, she's also the head of the Democratic um, Party in San Francisco. I should say the San Francisco uh, uh, Democratic Party. Um, she might also be connected to the National Democratic National Committee. Um, yeah, she is. Christine Pelosi. I'm, I'm thinking nepotism there. How did she get that position? Um, I'm sure uh, because of her mother. Um, but anyway, I digress. Anyway, Christine Pelosi, a Democratic National Committee official and daughter of House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, warned conspicuously on Saturday evening that it is quite likely that some of our faves are implicated in the horrific sex trafficking case against politically connected financier Jeffrey Epstein. Epstein is due in court following his sudden arrest Saturday in New York on new sex trafficking charges involving allegations dating to the early 2000s, according to law enforcement officials. He has been accused of paying underage girls for massages and sexually abusing them at his mansion in Palm Beach, Florida, in New York City. Um, and, and so, like I mentioned, Manhattan, you had the young uh, uh, woman who filed a lawsuit against Donald Trump, and it got dismissed. Um, I believe it got dismissed. This was during the campaign. And she said that Donald Trump raped her uh, in Jeffrey Epstein's Manhattan apartment. Um, it also, his 72-acre private estate on the U.S. Virgin Islands, a home said to be nicknamed Orgy Island, also has been under scrutiny. The Epstein case is horrific and the young women deserve justice, Pelosi tweeted. It is quite likely that some of our faves are implicated, but we must follow the facts and let the chips fall where they may, whether on Republicans or Democrats. It was unclear exactly to whom Pelosi was referring, but Epstein has long been connected with high-profile figures, including Britain's Prince Andrew, former President Bill Clinton. Court documents obtained by Fox News in 2016 showed that Clinton took at least 26 trips flying aboard Epstein's private jet, known as the Lolita Express, and apparently ditched his Secret Service detail on some of the excursions. Records show that President Trump may have flown on the jet at least once. The president previously called attention to Clinton's dealings with the financier. This is Trump speaking. Nice guy. Uh, got a lot of problems coming up, in my opinion, with the famous island with Jeffrey Epstein, Trump told Fox News' Saint Sean Hannity in 2015, referring to Clinton's connections with Epstein. A lot of problems, Donald Trump said. Meanwhile, Trump biographer Tim O'Brien this weekend reposted an excerpt from a 2002 profile of Epstein in New York Magazine in which Trump told a reporter... I've known Jeff for 15 years. Terrific guy. He's a lot of fun to be with. It is even said that he likes beautiful women as much as I do, and many of them are on the younger side. So Trump knew. Trump absolutely knew. He absolutely knew he should be indicted for a conspiracy. Um, I don't know if such a law exists of not reporting. Um, you know, um, but again, he has been implicated as raping a woman. Um, and he was just in the news the other day when another woman said that he had raped her and he was like, oh, I wouldn't have raped her. She's not my type. 
What, she was too old at the time? What, what, Donald Trump? Um, anyway, Trump's legal team more recently has denied that the two were friends. I mean, there are pictures of, of Donald Trump with this guy. There's his comment in, in a magazine uh, where he told that reporter how he's known him for 15 years and called him a terrific guy. He's a lot of fun to be with. Well, how would you know unless you was with him? You know? Um, now, he was banned from the, as you heard, in the Mar-a-Lago estate. That's where Virginia Roberts was working when she met Epstein um, because Epstein sexually assaulted an underage girl at the club, according to court documents filed by Bradley Edwards, the lawyer who has represented several Epstein accusers. The claim has not been confirmed by Trump or Mar-a-Lago. Um, so here is a clip. Um, but first, let me just give a shout out to uh, reporter Julie K. Brown, um, the Miami Herald investigative reporter who has really been um, at the uh, center of all of this reporting, this investigative journalist. Um, but she says that following Epstein's arrest that Trump and Epstein went to dinner parties at each other's houses. Trump was also on his plane. Probably not as much as a lot of other people because, you know, Trump had his own plane. Now, I also saw that Kevin Spacey, the actor um, of the Netflix series House of Cars, and he lost that after a male rap, uh, excuse me, and I think the guy's name, the actor's name was Anthony Rapp, and he said he was 16 and, and Spacey assaulted him at a party or whatnot. Um, then there's more allegations against Spacey, but Spacey was also connected to Epstein, and you may have heard that he was being questioned by I think it's Squat, Scotland Yard or, or you know, a, a British investigative uh, uh, department. And they've been questioning him. And then next thing I know, Epstein's being arrested. And so um, perhaps they were questioning him uh, about whether or not he saw Prince Andrew there. Um, or if he has any information on Prince Andrew. It could also be um, that he assaulted, Spacey did, assaulted somebody in the UK and, and it's come out. Um, who knows? But anyway, here's a clip. We're going to close out this story with this clip from Donald Trump calling out Bill Clinton, uh, call, call, calls out Bill Clinton, Jeff Jeffrey Epstein's pedophilia. I can't read the rest of the headline. It's a YouTube video they posted, but let me go ahead and play that. Uh, Bill Clinton. Nice guy, uh, got a lot of problems coming up, in my opinion, with the famous island with Jeffrey Epstein. A lot of problems. Okay, so that's just a short clip of, of him being recorded telling this reporter uh, those things about Bill Clinton. And, um, you know, a lot of us, we don't understand, man. Um, a lot of what we get in politics is political theater. Uh, the Trumps and Clintons were friends um, before he decided to run. Um, it's been widely reported that Bill Clinton is the one who told uh, Donald Trump to run uh, um, because the Clintons had come up with a Piper strategy to get Trump the Republican nomination because they didn't want uh, Hillary Clinton to have a strong challenger. Um, but as history has, has, as is, you know, the historical record showed that she lost to a talk show host. 
a vulgar talk show host who talked about shooting people and and getting away with it and and talked about grabbing women by the you know what and and all of that and um you know um well Hillary Clinton um uh, still lost to the dude so I'm gonna leave, leave it at that uh let me see um we're at the half hour mark it is 12:31 let me go ahead and take another station identification break and we'll come back and I'll close it out with a couple of articles. Very troubling um, article coming to you from Arizona where a teenager was killed inside a Circle K um, by this white man who who's claiming through his attorney that he felt threatened because the teenager had been playing rap music, I guess, in a car or, or, or something like that. So we'll take a look at that. And that's why I say, man, you have to always... Be cognizant of your surroundings, always, you know, I watch every, when I go in the store, I'm always looking around, observing people, in case they try to rob the place, and I'm not trying to be no hero or nothing like that, but I'm going to be planning my escape route. If somebody pulls up, a, pulls out a gun or, or something like that to rob a store, you, you just always got to be cognizant of your surroundings. All right, so we'll talk about uh, that story and there's another story um, that it's not really that important, but it is important because it concerns racism um, in sports. You know, uh, white supremacist, suspected racist practice racism in all nine areas of people activity and sports would fall under entertainment. And this guy, you know, was... Um, um, Promoting white supremacy, in my opinion, even though nobody else is picking up on that. Um, I picked up on what he said. So you're listening to Black Talk Radio News, exclusively broadcasting live on Black Talk Radio Network. Stay tuned. We'll be back on the other side of this quick break. Now I'm not a writer. Okay. Black Talk Radio, since 2008, providing new black media for the masses. <clears throat> so I'm trying to uh, play this uh, video report coming to you from Peoria, Arizona from Fox News 10, a local Fox affiliate out there in Arizona. Uh, just trying to let this ad uh, play before uh, so I can then share the audio with you of a mother, the mother of the teen killed inside the circle, Kay, who spoke out about what happened. But we begin tonight with an exclusive interview with the mother of a teen who was killed inside a Circle K. She is speaking to Fox 10. Police say the suspect somehow felt threatened by rap music that Elijah Alamin was listening to outside that store. Fox 10's Justin Lum is live at 4th Avenue Jail after speaking with this heartbroken mom. And she says there's just no excuse for what happened to her son. Yeah, Linda, that excuse that Serena Ritas is referring to is mental illness. The suspect's attorney says he never got any medication when he was released from prison on Tuesday. But the mother of Elijah Al-Amin says that defense is just disguising a hate crime. 
I got a call from his father saying, something's wrong. This is not like Elijah. He's not home yet. A mother's instinct kicked in early Thursday morning for Serena Ritas. Peoria police say 27-year-old Michael Adams walked up to her son, 17-year-old Elijah Alamine, as he stood at the soda machine inside a Circle K. Then police say Adams slit the teen's throat from behind. Out of the blue, somebody's going to do this to you? I can't understand. According to detectives, Adams said he felt threatened by the rap music Alamine listened to in his car and said anyone who listens to rap is a threat to him in the community. His attorney says he suffers from mental illness. No, no, there's no excuse. I don't care what somebody's hiding behind mental illness. There's no excuse. Many have paid their respects to Alamine at the place his life was taken. Rita says he worked at Subway and Taco Bell to save up for his own car, his senior year of high school approaching. A mother deeply proud of the young man he was becoming. My last words to him was, Elijah, I love you. He said, I love you too, Mom. Those were his last words to me. And I'm at peace with them. But still, for Ritas, minutes feel like hours as she tries to function without her son. I'm so numb and hurt to the core of my soul, but I have to stay focused because I know that's what he would want and to make sure justice is served for him. The Arizona Department of Correction says officials never designated Adams as seriously mentally ill, but court records show that he has been arrested for attacking someone with a deadly weapon twice, both of those people being strangers to him, and he also assaulted a correctional officer while in jail. Live at the 4th Avenue Jail, Justin Lum, Fox 10 News. Now, not, not well, it does matter. The race of the perpetrator does matter. Um, but I don't know if Fox News is practicing deception. I don't know if I uh, obtained the wrong information. But when I looked up this guy, Michael Adams, 27-year-old Michael Adams, the pictures that came up um, connected to this story of was of a white man. Um, they even showed his pictures in um, the orange jumpsuit and what have you. Um, but Fox News just just for a second, I mean, it was quick. You had to see the video. I have linked to the video, but just for a second, flashed a picture of a black man. So I wonder if that's Fox News practicing deception or if the other. Um, you know, want to blame black people for, uh, you know, this murder. But, um, you know, the other outlets were showing the pictures of a white man. Um, so it is it, it is important in the context of white supremacy. Um, I'm just thinking about, I can't remember his last name, Jordan, um, who was killed. I think Lucy McBath is his mother. But that white man who killed him, who shot up the car that he was in, um, with some of his friends because they was playing rap, loud rap music and wouldn't turn it down, so he shot it up and what have you. Um, and, and so, uh, anyway, but Fox News just briefly showed a picture of a black man uh, when they were showing a perpetrator. I mean, it was so quick, you would have missed it if you wasn't paying attention. So, I don't know. I'm in a state of confusion right here, right now, so I don't know. Um, but, you know, I had just retweeted an article on Twitter um, that one of my abolitionist comrades had shared on Twitter about mental illness in prison. So I don't simply want to just 
right offhand dismiss the fact that this person might have been mentally ill because there's a lot of mentally ill people in prison. Just uh, was it last week or the week before last on New Abolitionist Radio, uh, we did a whole program on uh, mental illness and the lack of services and treatment for mentally ill people. Also, how solitary confinement and other inhumane conditions in American jails and prisons have led to people uh, acquiring uh, deep-seated mental illnesses and post-traumatic stress uh, after getting out of prison. So, uh, you know, the mother, she's grieving right now. Um, um, of course, she's not going to accept that as an excuse, and it shouldn't be looked at as an excuse. Um, there is no excuse, but the facts do matter, and if mental illness uh, played a role in this, um, then he needs to be institutionalized where he can get some help, but that's the problem in the United States. A lot of people don't have access to mental health treatment. Um, and I certainly think any reparation package that comes down the line, if reparations is passed after H.R. 40 is passed, hopefully um, mental health treatment should be in that um, in that package. Um, so this is a very sad story, very sad story. Now, I, how I found out about this story was somebody on social media has said that they weren't buying the excuse a mental illness and saying how hip hop or rap music helps them with their mental illness. And this person's profile describes them as a mental health advocate. And I was like, okay, um, you're right. There's no excuse, but you must be talking about the golden age of hip hop. You must be talking about the hip hop that that helped you came out prior to the 1990s. You can't be talking about the hip hop today that's on the radio because all it is is talking about killing niggas. Killing nigga radio is a, a term I've given it. Or train up a whole radio, which is a term I've given it. Very depraved music. Um, we, I believe that it does play a role, not the total cause, but all of this dehumanizing rap music on these radio stations targeting black people where all they talking about is killing, shooting, uh, uh, raping, robbing, um, just, oh, just the worst, man. And it's on the radio. It's on your radio 24-7. Um, I did a program concerning the Respect Us campaign last week. Um, Brother Kwabner was a guest. Was that Friday? Yeah, Brother Kwabner was a guest Friday because NYC, um, New York City Councilwoman, introduced a resolution to ban that, that type of music from the public airways following the FCC guidelines on obscene and indecent music, which um, obscene music ain't never supposed to be played, but indecent music, however they want to categorize that, um, is only supposed to be on like between the hours of 10 p.m. and 6 a.m. in the morning um, because the children will be in bed. So I was just telling this guy, you're right, there's no excuse, but have you listened to rap radio today? Um, you know, I don't think that music was helping. I don't think that music's helping anybody. I think it's playing a role in creating mentally ill people. Um, you know, and shout out the speech of Arrested Development for his miniseries documentary called The Nigga Factory. And, and so very sad story again. It's always, it's always best to be on 
um, high alert whenever you're around people, especially people you don't know, um, out in public. Anything could happen. A drive-by shooting could happen. A mass shooting could happen. You know, like it happened in Las Vegas. Um, you could get stabbed. You could get anything could happen to you. And, and you just minding your own business. Um, always be cognizant of your surroundings, meaning your head should be on a swivel. Sort of like defensive driving. I don't, you know, if you drive, you took driver's ed, you might know the term defensive driving, um, where it's not just because you got the right of way that you're going to go, but you're going to observe making sure that people stop, you know, being very observant of, of, of everything that's around that car so that you don't injure somebody so that you don't get injured in an accident. Well, we need to practice defensive living as well. Whether you're walking down the street, whether you're in a store, doesn't matter where you are, we got to practice defensive living. And it's not that I'm afraid um, or anything, but it's just that I quit going to public events. I don't go to public events. I don't go to like, for example, a high school uh, basketball game or junior high basketball game to see one of my nephews play. Um you know, support support the children in our family and their extracurricular sports. But in terms of professional sports, you know, we got the Charlotte uh, uh, Hornets in Charlotte. We got the uh, Carolina Panthers. I do not go to those type of events. I do not go. I don't club anymore. Um, not that I want to club, but I quit clubbing because of that. Um, you know, people getting shot up and, and things happening uh, that's out of your control. Um, you ain't even got to be in an argument with somebody, but two people get in an argument, one pulls out a gun, pulls the trigger, and you're dead. So, you know, I practice defensive living. Um, you know, I try to tell my daughters to do the same, but they're young. Um, they go to clubs and stuff like that, but I just try to um, tell them, you know, when you're in the club, you, you, you can't get drunk. Um, you can't. You know, just giving them tips on, in case anything, how to protect themselves. All right, so, man, my shout-out, condolences uh, to that family. Very sad story. All right, last thing that I will touch on is the, the escalation of tensions in the Middle East with Iran. Um, you know, now announcing yesterday that it had a wrench enriched uranium past the levels that were set up in the agreement um, between all of the parties that were part of that agreement. You know, um, Trump pulled the United States out of that agreement, um, made some ridiculous comments that aren't logical as to why he did it when the international community was confirming that Iran was adhering to the agreement on low enriched uranium and how much they could have on hand. I think the limit was 600 pounds. And then Russia was supposed to come and get the rest, uh, if I remember correctly. Um, so because of the uh, pullout of the U.S. Um, government, um, the Trump administration and crippling sanctions being reapplied and even tougher sanctions, which kills people. And you'll hear a little bit in this NBC news 
report people are dying because of lack of medicine, uh, lack of food. You know, people want to blame socialism for the reason people dying in Venezuela, but they don't want to acknowledge that the sanctions is what's crashing that economy because you want to control other people's resources or you don't want a socialist country to be successful so you overthrow it because then oh our citizens might see how they are providing for the basic needs of their citizens and we ain't trying to have that okay we we trying to keep the wealthy wealthy and we trying to keep the po po um so that we can put the po in prison all right so anyway here is a report about the escalation um that's taking place there um and it's very, very serious. It is very serious. This has the ability to impact the entire planet um, if a war breaks out, out for various reasons. So let's listen to this NBC News report. At a press conference today, Iran's deputy foreign minister said they will enrich uranium to whatever levels they want and would reach those levels before the end of the day. Iran says they need the increase to run civilian nuclear power plants. The U.S. and allies say it puts them one step closer to a nuclear bomb. President Trump today warning Tehran again. Iran better be careful. Because you enrich for one reason. And I won't tell you what that reason is, but it's no good. The Pentagon has already moved an additional thousand troops to the region. And it was just two weeks ago that President Trump ordered, then canceled, a limited strike on Iran in response to their downing of a U.S. drone. On the streets of Tehran, there is a real fear of war. We are very worried about war, and the future looks very bleak, this man says. And also real anxiety as a result of crippling sanctions. Not even drugstores have been immune from the effect of sanctions. There is lack of uh, medications all sorts of medicine uh, and uh, even if they find it uh, the price is very expensive people are suffering and dying kate iran is saying it's willing to return to the negotiating table if all sanctions are dropped but there are no signs that the trump administration is willing to do that hey nbc news fans thanks for okay that was a report from nbc news as you just heard there and this is very, very serious. And as I stated in past podcasts, based off of my experience in the Gulf War uh, in the early 1990s, um, it's a whole different set of circumstances on the ground. Um, Saddam's no longer in charge. Therefore, the Shia, um, excuse me, the Sunni Muslims, the Baptist Party is no longer running Iraq, remember Donald Rumsfeld, famous picture with Saddam, where uh, the United States, I think it was the Reagan administration that gave Saddam uh, chemical weapons, weapons of mass destruction to use against the Iranians in their eight-year war uh, with Iran. But now circumstances have completely changed, and now uh, Iraq is pretty much an ally of Iran. And Iraq, as I've reported in the past, has demanded the U.S. remove its troops from its territory, which the United States refuses to do. And therefore, if they attack Iran, um, I can see the Iraqis siding with the Iranians because they share a cultural and religious uh, um, um, things in common. They're all Shias um, that's in power. And so I could see U.S. troops being surrounded. That's in Iraq. 
um, attack from the rear if they try to attack Iran. It's just not, I would not want to be over there. Hell, I didn't want to be over there when I was over there. Um, and I was just based in Saudi Arabia. And I did not want to be there, man. And I was nervous. Well, I ain't going to say I was nervous all the time. But whenever I had to go out to different communication sites to do inspections and, you know, just to check on our people out there um, uh, at these different locations that were part of the communication network we built over there, I man, I would be, my head would be on a swivel. Um, if I wasn't driving my head, well, it would be on a swivel then, but, um, oftentimes I would be in a passenger seat with my M16 with its 203 attachment on there, which is a grenade launcher, uh, watching all them cars, uh, uh, you know, they, cause we'd be out late at night and, um, I would be very suspicious of anybody following us. And so, um, very different circumstance though, uh, today. So I just don't want to see anyone. Uh, killed over this because it, it, it's just no justification for the United States to continue to be the the dictator to the rest of the world of what they can and cannot have always threatening them, always sanctioning them, always trying to steal their resources so that the corporations um, can have the resources and steal the people's wealth and, and overthrowing countries that nationalize their oil um, to fund their quote unquote socialist programs and it's, it's just, it's sick of that. I'm sick of it. I think the rest of the world is getting sick of it too. And I'm sick of young men and women in the U.S. military being used as, as, as expendable pawns. Cause don't none of this benefit us except for we get cheap gas. But do you really want cheap gas, um, uh, that's soaked in the blood of innocence? I, I don't. All right. So that's my broadcast uh, for today. Please support the nonprofit Black Talk Media Project with a tax-deductible donation today. Our PayPal um, links are on the website. You don't have to sign up for a PayPal account. It'll take, it'll take a credit card or any kind of debit card from the major, you know, uh, uh, card companies, you know, with the logo on there. Um, also... You can send a check money order made out to Black Talk Media Project, P.O. Box 65, Mount Holly, North Carolina, 28120-0065. Again, these are tax deductible, so keep keep your records of your donations that you make uh, to the Black Talk Media Project. With that said, um, be careful out there. Keep your head on a swivel. It's dangerous out here. We not only got um, slave catchers, to contend with, but we got civilians who are on murderous rampages uh, because this is such a violent society and it promotes a lot of violence. So um, it should come as no surprise that you're going to have a lot of violent people. So y'all just be careful out there. I want everybody to make it. With that said, peace and blessings to all.